you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. to have their breakthrough. You may have been under a load and carrying the stress of life for a long time, but today the Lord could deliver you from all of those things, all of those afflictions, all of those things in your life. Amen, amen, amen. We're glad you're with us today, glad you're here in the house of the Lord, glad the Lord is here this morning. How many of you are glad God's in the house? Above all, he is here. He is with us. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to take your attention to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm honored to be in the pulpit and preaching to you this morning from the word of the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning with verse number 10 in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Verse 10, again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. By the help of the Lord today, I am going to preach from this passage Grace still amazes me. How many of you are amazed by the grace of God? Yes, 
Why don't you lift both of your hands this morning? Lift both of your hands this morning and just let the Lord know how thankful that we are, that you are this morning for his grace, for his grace. We love you today, God. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. In Jesus' name. You can be seated this morning. Regardless what you see in men, regardless how many faults you see in them, we have to be careful not to judge them. A group of us were in some training regarding a counseling program that we are working on. And my wife was the first to admit this, although when she said it, I had to agree with her. There was a gentleman that came in and was part of the group. He was sitting next to Brother Chad, and I was, on the first day, I was summing up the whole room. Um, honestly, I struggled to even carve the time out to go and to be there and really did not, did not want to be there. And that was, um, that was just part of the reason why that I sit in the back and I was rather, rather disconnected. And in doing so, I was looking around. Thank you, Dylan. I do have a larger globe. It's like this size, sits behind my desk. If you would bring that out, it would be helpful to me. The people in the back didn't even know that was a globe. So I was sitting in the back of the room, a little disconnected, and... I was checking the room out. I was kind of watching everybody in the room. And Chad's neighbor was sitting there, and I had summarized him in some ways, accurately so. But in other ways, I had completely missed the target because I had summarized him by his appearance. We have to be careful not to cast judgment on men because except for God's grace, many of us maybe would be in the same shoes. Some of you don't look like what you've been through. And some of you may look like what you've been through. <laughs> I mean, I earned all 54 years, believe me. When I'm with peers and everybody at the table looks at me and says, Elder. I don't necessarily wear that. Thank you, Dylan. You got that one right. I don't always wear that elder thing as a badge of honor. It, it sometimes 
reminds me that I must show all 54 of these years. But God's been faithful and God's been good. And for some of us, the fact that we're just here ought to be a reminder of God's grace. And His grace amazes me because if I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be here. And I certainly wouldn't be standing before you today. And if most of us would be honest in this room, maybe all of us would be honest in this room, none of us would be where we are in life if it wasn't for the grace of God. That's right. And if we got a real revelation of God's grace and a real understanding of who we are and what we deserve and where we are and what grace did for us, it would perhaps revolutionize our thinking, revolutionize everything. We would look at others much differently if we recognize the work of grace in our own life. David was a man of destiny. One begins examining the life of David. We find a man who ended his life well. But between the lad tending sheep and the king in the palace, the whole space of time between him being a lad and a king, David's life was full of humanity. I chose that word today very carefully. That wasn't a mishap or a misstep that I chose the word humanity because I'm preaching today to some people that understand what it is to deal with humanity. David comes on the scene as a shepherd boy whom God took from the sheepfold, eventually with a plan for him to dwell in the palace. This man was called by God, ordained for greatness. Even when no one was mindful of him, David eventually became a man so dear to God that he was known as the man after God's own heart. The first time we read of David, he was mentioned in the book of Ruth, the fourth chapter and the 17th verse, and then again prior to the time of his anointed, anointing of being king in 1 Samuel chapter 13. Now after David's anointing or proverbial calling or calling out to do great things for God and the time of David operating in his calling under the influence of the anointing that had been placed on him by the oil being poured out upon his head were many years of simply tending sheep. Let me break this down for you because I want you to walk with me in, in, as a journey through the life of David who is called out of the field and oil poured out upon his head, a shepherd, an anointing to be king and to lead Israel, yet his timing had not yet come. Today, everybody in this room, if I was to ask you, I would guess most of us would be ready to sign up 
Who wants to be a giant killer? Hands would be raised. Who would like to end up a famous king? Hands would be raised. I would guess if I went into the Sunday school classes and asked them this morning, who would love to be a famous king? All hands would go up. Who would like to be a giant killer? All hands would go up. It's across the board, children and adults alike. But most of us want to get there without years of faithful service on the hillside tending sheep. Now stay with me for a few minutes this morning. David wasn't called from the pulpit or from the tabernacle. David was called from his place of employment. See, we think David got called from the prayer room, but he got called from his place of faithful employment. David working faithfully in his father's field would have been overlooked by most men. Ah, he's just working for his daddy. He doesn't really have, he hasn't come into his own yet. I'm not going to listen to him. I'm going to overlook him. I'm not going to pay attention to him. He's but a kid. He's but a sheep tender, a shepherd. But he wasn't ever overlooked by God. Because the work that he was doing on the hillside was actually ordained by God. God was watching those moments of his faithful labor and work because God was preparing him for something much greater. So Samuel asked Jesse, do you have a son? One of them is going to be anointed king. Can you imagine the proud Jesse, how he must have felt as he stood and says, well, uh, of course, Samuel. Um, yes, they, here they are. Let me bring them before you. Here are all of my qualified sons. Eliab and Abinadab, Shema and Ozam, Nathaniel, And Radai, they had some names. All of these are my sons whom I have personally trained. They are men of war. They are ready to lead. I have invested in my sons and surely one of them would be ready to become the next King of Israel, yes, choose from one of them. But Samuel, the man of God, with his sensitivity to the leading of God's spirit, recognized it wasn't one of those who was trained and qualified and ready. He says, is there not another son? Because God just said no to all of these whom man had qualified. 
I've looked over these, but I'm not finding the one that God is saying yes to, to be the next king. I can imagine Samuel reluctantly says, well, there, there is another son, but, but he's in the field. He, he's not skilled like his brothers. He doesn't have the talent of his brothers. He doesn't have the training of his brothers. He's not a man of war. He, he's not yet ready to lead. He, he's not the most socialized. His, as a matter of fact, his education is on a hillside. I mean, he can play music, but he can't even find the clove. Eight of you are listening. Not him. Surely it would be one of the others that would have been trained. His, his name is David. His life will be filled with flaws and failures. He doesn't even know everything about life yet. He's but a lad. But Samuel says, bring him to me. And he walks in, watch, he walks in, not from the church pew, not from the temple, not from the platform, not even from the prayer room. He walks in from his place of occupation. He walks in from his field of labor. In walks one that smelled like sheep. Surely God wouldn't promote such a one to be a king. But yes, Jesse, God says that unlikely one, that's, that's his man. Man, he's not a man, he's a boy. Look at him, unskilled, not ready to lead. But God says that is him. Place my anointing on him. Now wait, why, why would anointing be placed upon him? Why would anointing be put upon him as a lad? Transition, seasoned saint of God that understands the tabernacle and as it all unfolds before you, every utensil in the tabernacle had to be anointed before it was used. And once it is anointed, it is then holy, sanctified unto the Lord, not to be used for any other use but for the purpose of the kingdom of God. And so in his wisdom, God tells Samuel to take a horn of oil and to point, pour it out yet upon a lad. Why? Why? I'm so glad the youth are in here this morning. What a good looking group. On the second row. And they just look at me like nothing. And the front row. Why would God fill these young people with the Holy Ghost and place callings in their life? They're young. They're, they're, they're not ready. They're, they're not ready, but if I looked on this first and second and third row this morning and said, God has great plans. Some of you would go, huh? 
but they're still in school. They, they don't have life figured out yet. But perhaps this morning God places an anointing upon the, these young lives to sanctify them wholly unto himself, to set them apart so that they're not like everybody else because he has a plan and a purpose that is far greater to be used in the kingdom at a later time. And you think, well, why is God doing it now? Because he has something so great for you that it has to start in you now in order for him to be able to fulfill his purpose in you. Then and there. You won't always be understood. Samuel, the man of God, takes the horn of oil, pours it out upon David, the next king of Israel. But he's a lad. Here's where the story gets interesting. He was anointed to be king, but he's sent back to the field to tend sheep. Here's where the story disconnects, right? Stay with me for a few minutes. As we ponder through the ideals that has been placed into the mind of so many that the moment that God anoints you, that you're ready to be used. True, yes you are, but you're ready to be used in the place of training. Go back to the field. Oh no, <laughs> I'm not going back to the field. Do you know who I am? Samuel just poured a horn of oil out upon me. I am to be the next king of Israel. I will not go back to the field to be a lowly shepherd. And we can abort everything that God wants to do in our life because we're not willing to go back to the field of labor and say, I'm anointed and the time's going to come, but the time is not now. Right now, I've got to go back to the field and do what God has assigned for me in this season. It is about the season. Come on, somebody. Some of the adults in this room, I'm not just preaching to young people this morning. Some of you have been called and anointed, and you're going, I don't understand, and you're struggling for it, and God is saying, it's a season that I'm sending you back to the field, and you're going to be there for a while until it's time. Time for me to call you up out of the field. You're in your field of labor. We spend so much of our time asking God, when is my break coming? When are you saying go? When are you sending? God, when is my promotion going to happen? And I know these young people, they probably won't know anything about this. I know nothing about video games, but they probably don't know anything about Red Rover. Y'all remember Red Rover? You guys remember Red Rover? Yo, you do? Four of you do. You know, you get in the line. And you know what you do? Who's next? Who's next? You always pick out the smallest, scroniest. We, you're not going to pick out, you're not going to pick, you know, you're not going to look over there and look at Dylan and say, oh yeah, send Dylan. I mean, he's a bull. My goodness, he'll run through you, over you. You know, you know you're going to say, send Kayla. <laughs> 90 pounds of smiles. <laughs> send Kayla. <laughs> Dylan, Dylan's going to be the last one we're going to call. See, we're all, ready. we're all ready to be the one called. Every now and then, 
in line and you say Sin Kayla, then all of a sudden three people rushes. You ever, you ever have that happen in the game? When it's not the one you called, but it's all a setup. And so then all of a sudden you call Kayla, but when you call Kayla, Dylan and Danny and Phil <laughs> all break out at one time and you're like, wait, wait, no, 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 no. Sometimes we're that one. We're waiting, God send me, God send me. God, when are you going to send me? We're driving down the road, we see something on the wall. Someone said, told me about a young preacher one time, was praying, God send me a sign. He was praying, he said on the wall, he saw the word GP, GP. He said, that must mean go preach. So he went to his pastor. He said, Pastor, I was praying. And I asked the Lord to put a sign on the wall. And the Lord had the initials GP came up. Pastor said, well, that's good, son. Were you obedient? He said, yes, sir. That's why I'm here. He said, it meant go preach. Pastor said, son, I'm the one that put that on the wall. And when I started painting on the wall, I only could get the first two letters. And I ran out of time and I had to go do a hospital visit. But that's the prayer room and it was supposed to say, go pray. See, sometimes we get God's calling all twisted up in our life. Red Rover let Kayla come over, and the next thing you know, here comes Dylan. Because he said, well, it was, you know, it was one of us, and so it may as well have been me. That wasn't the intended person that God is calling at the moment. David, go back to the field. Go back to the field and labor. Go back to the field. Yes, you were anointed. Yes, you were called. Don't ignore the calling. Go back and understand that God has a plan for you. Stop asking about when your break is coming, when your promotion is coming. And work on your preparedness when the time now listen, he wasn't trained to be a top soldier. He didn't rub shoulders with those who could promote him. Instead, God personally trained him. Did you get that? God personally trained him. Sometimes we ask, why in the world am I going through this? You're going to learn somewhere. If you don't learn in school, if you don't learn in college, you're going to learn by the school of hard knocks. You're going to learn by the school of experience. Hello, somebody. And sometimes those lessons are a lot more difficult than the lessons we learn in school. I ought to get a better amen than that out of some of us in this room. But when the bear came and the lion came, God had prepared him and trained him. On the battlefield, he didn't start with lions. He started with the smaller things. He, smart, he started with the small things. It was, perhaps, it was perhaps the wolf or the coyote or it was the small things. It was the serpents. And he became skilled with that shepherd's sling. And now here comes the lion and here comes the bear. But David's fight with the, li fight with the lion and the bear 
were not to give him awards for being a mighty hunter. But those battles were preparing him for a greater battle with a greater giant called Goliath. What were the words that he used when Goliath came? What were the words used when Saul says, he's but a lad, we can't send him. He says the same power, the same anointing, the same authority, the same God that anointed me to kill the lion and the bear, I will be able to also slay the uncircumcised Philistine. But Goliath wasn't even David's greatest fight. This is where I'm going to today. Goliath wasn't even David's greatest fight. If I asked you what was greatest, David's greatest fight, fight, most of us would lift our hands and say it was Goliath. But I don't believe it was his greatest fight. What, what, what do you think it is, Pastor? I believe that David's greatest fight was within himself. It was the fight to accept grace that would bring him forgiveness after his failure. Because if you read through the book of Psalm, he is constantly saying, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He's writing, lamenting, asking God's presence, asking God's spirit, asking God to be with him constantly because he can't seem to find forgiveness. And he's looking, the hardest battle that David could fight, could ever fight, was the battle in his mind when God is offering him grace. And he's saying, but, but I don't know. I have failed God. I have done wrong. And over again, he's begging God. Every struggle that David faced was simply preparing him for a greater exploit. Sometimes the battles in your life are not so that you can get it behind you and say, well, I got that behind me, so now I can walk in complete victory. But the greatest battle in our life may be the battle of committing to God preparing us for the great calling that he actually has on our lives. Can I tell you this morning that God knew you before you were ever formed? He already established His plan and purpose for your life even before you were conceived. God had perfected His work in you before you ever realized what He was doing. God had preordained you ahead of time. He said to Samuel, For I have provided myself a king among the sons of Jesse. It was God's doings. That man, pastor? That kid, pastor? Do you know how annoying? Pastor, surely you don't mean that God can use that person. Surely you don't believe that God can save that individual. Do you know how they hurt me? Do you know what they've done? Do you know them? Surely you don't believe that God could use me, Pastor, not me. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know where I've come from. You only see me on Sunday. You don't really know me, Pastor. Don't, don't preach to me and tell me that God can use me. I'm tied up. I've got all sorts of problems. I deal with all sorts of things in my mind and in my life. I mean, look at me. I'm a failure. 
My life has been riddled with faults and disappointments. But I rise to this pulpit this morning to tell somebody that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. When you look in the mirror, you're seeing the outward man. But it is only when you can see yourself through the grace of God that you can see the potential that God sees you because he covered you and washed you in his blood because of his grace. And he sees something in you. Although filled with perfections on the outside, God says, but I'm making something in him and forming something in him that is greater. Most people, even men of God, sometimes fail to see from God's perspective. When you walk in grace and divine favor of God, and when you carry a generational anointing, can I preach to every person with a calling on their life? Can I preach to every young person, every young adult in this room, every person that feels that they are called for something that is greater and something higher? I want to say something to you this morning. When you walk in the grace and divine favor of God, when you carry a generational anointing, people will struggle to receive you. And your peers will not rejoice with your successes. And they sure won't promote you and walk beside you and help you. As a matter of fact, you will be avoided, left out, ignored. Even your closest friends and family may even overlook you. But I mean, they crucified Jesus. So what makes us better than him? Joseph's brothers hated and envied him. Jephthah's brothers ostracized him. David's brothers overlooked him. Jesus' brothers doubted him. Listen to me, friend of mine. It's part of the process that God is taking you through. We don't need the approval of men to make full proof of the calling that God has placed within us. God is all we need. David was regulated to the back ground, left to feed sheep in a wilderness. Listen, I, I came this morning with what I believe is a word. I, I didn't tell you this before I started. I wasn't supposed to preach today. Yesterday I made the call to preach this morning. And I canceled in order to be able to be here and preach this morning because I felt that God was sending me a word. And I'm not sure, there's a few of you I would be suspect that the word I'm about to bring may be for you, but God is sending this word. And this is a broad brush that God is painting with across this congregation this morning. But I have a word for somebody to grab a hold of today. Moses, the great leader of God's people, was also regu regulated to tending sheep for 40 years on the backside of a desert. But while he was there, he found God there. God appeared unto him in the most inopportune time, tending sheep on the backside of a Midian desert. But God wants you to know, get along with him. Stay alone with God. Child of God, don't be in a hurry to launch out into the deep. Stay in the place where God has positioned you and place your calling in His hand. 
because you're going to find him on the backside of the desert place. Where you are might not be the desired place, but hold on to your faith while you trust God to fulfill his promise and his purpose in your life. While you are waiting, take your growth and your daily business diligently. Cultivate a lifestyle of discipline and be responsible in every aspect of your life. Because spiritual responsibility places people of God in high demand in the kingdom. It's the bedrock on which a successful life and ministry is built and launched. Don't question where God has you and why God has you where you are, but say yes today because he anointed you and sent you back to the field, but the crown is awaiting, but it has to be in God's time. Somebody ought to receive that word from the Lord this morning. And you ought to thank God this morning that he has you right where he has you because God's got you right where you are on purpose. Come on, give God glory and praise in the house. Samuel was sent to the house of Jesse specifically for the purpose of anointing David. This anointing made the difference. In the life of David, he had previously been chosen by God, but he needed the anointing. Samuel came all the way from Ramah for this purpose. This anointing launched David into the new realm of exploits and spiritual insights. Let me remind you today that Jesus called you to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. You have been called by God specifically for a purpose, to advance his kingdom. Light changes darkness. Darkness doesn't affect light. Salt affects everything it comes in contact with. And salt is affected by almost nothing. You're salt and light. Go change everything that you come in contact with. When you walk in, the atmosphere ought to change. When you walk in, the environment ought to change. When you walk in, the outcome ought to change. You have been called of God for a purpose. Destiny beckons you. The seed of greatness lies within you. But between the anointing and David becoming king was a lifestyle of failures and, and missteps. But God always made room for humanity and he called it grace. Grace is not extended to anything else on the planet, but grace is extended to humanity. God's chosen, God's designed, God's perfect creation. He said, I'm going to also create something that only mankind can understand, and it is grace. Everything can praise. The trees and the animals and all creation can give praise and glory to God, but only man can understand and receive grace. It was given to you, God's gift to you. It's God's amazing grace. For those of you who may be here today, who may think you deserve elevation, 
you can be dismissed. But for those of us who recognize that we need God's grace, you're in good company. Because everyone under the sound of my voice, including myself, need God's grace. God isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for someone who will be faithful until His grace makes room for our human failures. Somebody ought to take a moment this morning just to give God thanks because God is here for you, offering His grace to you, which means He's for you and not against you. If He ever removes His grace off of you and He uncovers you with His grace, then you got to get worried. But today, He's extending grace and mercy, and you ought to thank Him for it today. I won't be much longer. The law is all about perfection. There's no leniency in the law. Sin led to death. Every sin had a harsh penalty. Stealing would cost a man his arm. Adultery led to stoning. Murder would cost a man his own life. But there are no do-overs with the law. The law said you must be perfect. But nobody could live up to it. So Jesus comes along and fulfills the law and shows that only he could live the perfect life. And Jesus Christ walks onto the scene and Jesus himself brought grace and truth. And when he came with grace and truth, he says, Law, you're never going to be able to do it, but you can live in truth only through grace. And it was perfected through Jesus Christ. And he came to show you and I a better way. This morning, he is here offering you truth and offering you grace to be able to live in that truth. It is for you today. And he is offering it to every one of us in this room. No, we don't deserve it. That's why it's called grace. The unmerited favor of God. It doesn't matter who wants to say that God is looking for your perfection. I want you to know that God is looking you, looking at you through eyes of grace and mercy. Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. At David's worst failure, God showed him grace and he was called the man after God's own heart. Was it because he was perfect? No, quite the contrary. But it was because David knew he needed God's grace. No wonder David said in Psalm 113, Who is like unto our God? No wonder Moses sang, Who is like the Lord? You cannot compare anything to God's grace. We owed a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt that he did not owe. What is fathomable about God's grace? There is nothing fathomable and understandable about God's grace. It's incomprehensible that a harlot would find purity and a place of repentance. It's unreasonable that a liar could find truth through God alone. It is illogical that a sinner could find righteousness except by the amazing grace of God. God's grace is His only unreasonable way. God's grace is His only unreasonable way. Grace is not reasonable. And if you look through eyes of reason, you're guilty. But grace says, I see you through the blood. I close this morning. Psalm 103, verse number 12. David 
throws a text at us as far. Put it on the screen if you would, Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Can you put that on the screen for us? Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west. I brought this globe out this morning because I want you to understand something. see here's what I want you to tell me so you know what this is called right it's the equator right everybody see that this is the equator what happens when you go this way which way are you going going south right this is back to the equator. Which direction is this? We're going north, right? We're going north. So he could have just thrown this out and said as far as the north is from the south. So as far as the north is from the south, let's go north. Tell me, which way am I going now? Am I still north? What happens when I get here? What's it called? The North Pole. When I leave here, what happens? Am I still going north? Is there a way? Because you can reach the top of the world going north. You have nowhere else to go. It's as far as you can go north. If you go any further, you're going back south. Now, if I start at the equator and go south, I'm still going south, right? I'm still going south until I get to here, and this is called the South Pole. Can't go any further south, right? It's as far as you can go. Well, what if I just keep going when you're going, you're going back north, right? Here we are. Let's go east. Are you ready? Y'all tell me. Let, let, let me try this again. When, when I'm going north, tell, tell, me when I, tell me when to stop when I've extended as far north as I can go. Okay, good, good. Tell me when I've gone as far as I can go south. Good. All right, I'm back on the equator now. Here we go. I want you to tell me when you've gone as far as you can east. South America, here we go. Domin Dominican Republic, here we go. Indonesia, how far? When do I stop going east? What about west? When do I stop going west? Because David said, as far 
as the east is from the west. If he'd have said north to south, there's an ending to it. But listen to me, young man and young lady. Listen to me, young person. Listen to me, adult, that thinks that your sin is always right in front of you. He has removed them as far as the east is from the west. That means there is no limit. He has removed them so far that it is infathomable. It is a, it is a dimension. It is a space that you cannot even register because it is never ending. How far is God's grace and mercy for you? It's never ending. But pastor, as far as the east is from the west, you don't have to tell me about it. You don't have to tell anybody about it. God has moved your transgression. As far as the east is from the west, that's what grace does. Stand with me all over this room. I'm calling you at this moment if you're in this room and you need to fall on that grace and mercy this morning, I plead for you to walk to the front of this room right now and come with lifted hands saying, God, I'm coming running for your mercy. I'm coming running for your grace. My transgressions that are always before me, let me see them removed as far as the east is from the west. Oh, yes. Toward heaven. I need your grace. We need your grace and your mercy. I need your if you don't know the Lord today, these altars are open. He's here for you today. Run to his grace. Run to his amazing grace. As far as the east is from the west, he's removed your transgressions.
Come on, let it come from your heart. Sing it with her now. I need your mercy, Lord. I need your grace. Oh, yeah. I need your hand. I need your hand. Leading the way. I can't make it without you. Not for one day. I need your mercy. for the mercy and grace of God. Come on, let's thank him for it this morning. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of walking in truth and grace and mercy. Lord, I pray over this congregation this morning. Lord, for every member and guest alike in this room. Lord, that has received your grace and mercy. Lord, I pray as we walk out of these doors today and we go back into our field of labor, Lord, as you prepare us to step forward into the future for greater things and greater times.